today, the rustling in the bushes is this or that or this or that person or there's a thousand little things all day, every day that are eliciting these stress responses that our brain only knows to be real life threats. You're listening to the Living and Leading with Emotional Intelligence podcast. You all are in for a treat today. episode four of Living and Leading with Emotional Intelligence. I'm your host, Brittany Nicole. Today's guest is Dr. Rebecca Heiss. Dr. Rebecca Heiss is the founder and CEO of Incuity. She's an international speaker and her background is in biology, but Rebecca teaches people how to live fearlessly and the importance of the chemistry of our brains and how our thoughts really create our reality. So today we're going to talk about self-awareness because if you know anything about emotional intelligence, you know that self-awareness is at the foundation for developing our EQ. So I don't want to do any spoilers because we have a lot of great content in this discussion. So without further ado, Here is Dr. Rebecca Heiss. I love your hair. I wish I had your hair. It's so pretty and fluffy. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Thank you. It's, it's, um, okay. So I don't care that this goes on recording. I have not showered this morning. I woke up, I started running and racing and like, and then I realized I had Zoom calls. I was like, ah, I have to put on the things. And I didn't this morning. I was like, forget it. I went, tied it up and called it good because there's so much pressure on looking right for the part and I'm just, I'm over it. I'm done right now. I'm too tired. There's other things going on. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So how many calls have you had this morning or what time was your first call? Uh, this would be my fourth call today. Yeah. Really? Oh my (laughs) gosh. Yeah. It's good though. It's great. It's, um, there's energy right now. Um, I think in the air and, and, and opportunity for change and opportunity to grow and, um, for all of us, you know, and I think yeah. that's, uh, it's exciting. It's, it's hopefully, hopefully leads to some good things. I hope so. I hope so. Well, I, I'm really thankful for the time that you're taking out of your busy schedule. To absolutely. No, me. absolutely. This is, um, I know a lot has changed, like you were saying, since we originally scheduled this call, which was probably a month ago. So, yeah. Yeah. A lot. Been has, a few things that have, that have happened. A few things. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. A few very important things um, yeah. that we need to be aware of. So. And we can talk about that in the conversation a little bit if you want to, um, as that applies to self-awareness, because I think that is so important right now is we need to start waking up and being mindful and self-aware of what's going on around us instead of ignoring the situation like it doesn't exist. So there you go. Yeah, sure. I'm happy to, (laughs) I'm happy to go any direction that we need to go in this. So I'm going to let you guide me and I'm just here to give any responses that I can. Cool. Cool. All right. So Rebecca, I'm just going to have you uh, start and just kind of tell everyone a little bit about yourself with your own words. Yeah, sure. So um, I am a biologist originally. Uh, I studied evolution and human behavior uh, and stress physiology. So trying to understand why we behave the way we do in particular when we're under stress. Um, And I have taken those biological principles and now applied them to business um, and just honestly, everyday life. So I think there's this weird false separation between life and work, but it's a whole nother discussion. So, um, so 
I specialize sort of in the area of self-awareness and waking up to who we are and how the world sees us, how we're perceived by others. Uh, and so much of that is recognizing the stories that are operating in our subconscious that are put there through culture, through the way we're raised, but also our biological stories that serve to keep us alive for 200,000 years. Like our brain is just a, it's a, it's an organ of survival, right? So all of these shortcuts that it's built to help keep us alive in these difficult environments today, you know, don't, don't necessarily serve us. So that's what I study. Um, and I am on the road quite a bit, well, less these days, uh, which is fine. I'm doing a lot of Zoom. Uh, but I, I work with organizations and, and individuals to help control and change those stories to, um, to increase performance, to cre increase self-awareness, um, and to, to grow personally and, and professionally. Yeah. I think I could really nerd out with you for hours on end about <laughs> <laughs> how all of that works, because, you know, my thing is emotional intelligence. And one of the key components of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. And it's really the foundation of self-awareness, because if you're not aware, then how are you going to know what to regulate, how to regulate that? And then how are you going to have social awareness? Because if you can't perceive your own feelings and emotions and accurately assess how other people are seeing you, you, you know, it's like one thing builds on top of the sure. other. You can't have one without the other. So yeah, that's exactly it. Right now, um, we are under tremendous stress and we've been under stress for decades upon decades that have been triggering these instinctual stressors, right? But it reacts differently in the body now because we're, we're kind of stewing in those unpleasant emotions, which are creating all these toxic chemicals in our bodies. And although those chemicals are natural, it's when they become consistent, right? So can you, mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about that and how mindset and our thoughts influence the chemical reactions in our brain and how self-awareness um, plays into that? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, we can start with, with cortisol, which is probably the easiest hormone to talk about because, and the most complex and to some extent, um, but cortisol is the main stress hormone. And so we have a, a influx of cortisol to start the day, honestly, it's what gets us out of bed in the morning it, and it's helpful in our day-to-day -day lives to, to regulate other hormones and to regulate our energy levels and to regulate when we need glucose. And, and so it's not like a bad hormone. Right. However, cortisol really serves us in fight or flight moments, fight, flight, or freeze moments. So when there's an actual tiger, right? So think about our ancestors, you know, there's a little rustling in the bushes. You need to pay attention to that. That, that, that could be a potential real life and death threat. Today, the rustling in the bushes is this or that or this or that person. Or There's a thousand little things all day, every day that are eliciting these stress responses that our brain only knows to be real life threats because our brain is really bad at, at interpreting perceived versus real danger. And so if we're constantly being basked in this it's a tiger, it's a tiger, it's a tiger, it's a tiger. What happens is we have this overexpression of cortisol. We have cortisol just pouring out all the time, which means that our brain never actually comes down out of that stressed out state. And when we're in a stressed out state, we're not using this portion, which is the 
gift to humans. I mean, this is this frontal lobe is is expanded in humans like it is in no other species, and it's what allows us to think cognitive, cognitively and consciously and make really tough executive decisions and debate and moralize. And when cortisol levels go up, this portion of our brain shuts down. And we rely entirely on these shortcuts, on these subconscious stories, again, that kept us alive in the day when those were actual threats. And today, this isn't going to actually kill you. Right. right? It's, not a, it's not an immediate threat, but our brain doesn't know that. So today, all the things that once kept us alive are preventing us truly from fully living. And so we're staying in the limbic system pretty much. It's never yeah. going past that. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of limbic, a lot of uh, amygdala. It's what some people call the lizard brain, which, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that. Um, the it's, reptilian I mean, it's, brain. It's the yeah. older, right. It's the older parts of our brain. It's the brain right. that's preserved throughout. Um, yes. Yeah. But being self-aware, we're able to control that and regulate our, our autonomic nervous system, right? Or at least our sympathetic nervous system by being aware yeah, to some kind extent. Um, it's, it's definitely the first step, right? It's definitely the first step. So if, if we can be aware of when we're having a stress response, which is harder than you think, like you know when you're having a, if you're, um, if you're like most people, getting up in front of a, a group of a thousand of your peers and having to give a, a talk that you're not prepared for, that's going to give you a stress response and you're going to feel it, right? You get the sweaty palms, you get the heart racing. So we recognize right. those stress responses. We're less aware of the little peripheral responses or, or the culturally baked in um, disadvantages that, that certain populations have that, that build and build and build and actually increase cortisol levels um, at, a, at a social level, at a population level. Uh, and so awareness is, is certainly the first step because when you're aware of, hey, um, I, I don't need to have a cortisol, a stress response to this. You know, this is, this is, this flooded inbox isn't going to be the death of me if I don't get to the, to the bottom of it today. What I need to do is take a breath, process my feelings. Why am I feeling angry? Why am I feeling shame? Why am I feeling like I'm going to fail and say, okay, these stories aren't actually helping me be productive at this moment. So it's certainly the first step. I think, um, I think it's really difficult to be self-aware at all times. And it's a continuous process um, that, that requires staying open to observations and the learnings from others um, at all times. So it's, energy it's, it's unfortunately, yeah, it yeah. is, it is. It's, it's unfortunately, you know, I, I think I meet with a lot of people who are like, well, just give me the book, like give me the 21 day fix. I'll do it. I'm like, right. You'll get started. And then it's a daily practice. It's a practice. Exactly. The, the automatic fallback is always going to be relying on, on these shortcuts. So it is a daily, hourly minute, second practice. And that's what I tell people. And I'm sure because we kind of do, I know you're on a different level than I am, but we both coach <laughs> around the same things. Right. Mm -hmm. And I get so frustrated when people are like, well, just send me an article or let's do, you know, a couple one hour sessions. And like, you don't get it. 
you would not bring in an NFL player to a high school football team that's struggling, have him give a pep talk, give a few <laughs> strategies for how they can improve, even go out on the field and practice with them for a day, and then expect them to go their next game and play like NFL stars. That would yep. be ridiculous. That's, a, that's exactly it. It would that's, be ridiculous. The, yeah, the, the analogy that I give is, um, is really similar, actually. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a runner. I used to be a much, much better runner, but, um, but you would never, ever, no matter who you are, even if you're a, a great runner, you would never just show up to the starting line of a marathon without putting in the training, without working your body out and, and putting in that training. And yet what we're asking our brains to do every single day is to get on the starting line of a marathon, is to run that marathon every day. And we haven't put in the training to say, wait a second, exactly. this is uncomfortable. Why am I uncomfortable? How can I process that so that I can stay my best self? Yeah. And a pitfall with our society is we want things like now, instant gratification. And I am constantly asked to write articles for magazines. Can you give us some quick tips on how to do this? And like, I really don't want to because it's not something that's quick. I don't want to set someone up for failure. If someone mm. wants to be mindful, if somebody wants to learn how to regulate their emotions and um, I'm sorry, but I don't want to tell you like five quick tips to right. become a more emotionally intelligent person. Now, if you read those and again, apply them every day, yes, mm -hmm. you can become a more emotionally intelligent person, but you're not reading five quick tips because you want to invest that time every day. Right. Right. Um, but right. it's just like, it's just like brushing your teeth or, you know, doing any daily chore. When you were a kid, that was that, like you hated brushing your teeth. Like your mom had to constantly <laughs> tell you like, go brush your teeth. Did you brush your teeth today? No, I don't yep. even think about it. I don't even remember doing it. So it's that level right. of competence and going yep. from being incompetent to conscious competence to um, consciously competent to unconscious competence. And we want to get to the unconscious competence, but you have to go through that entire circle to get there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people will never get to like, I, I'm going to tell you, it took me seven years to get to where I am today from being a completely emotional disaster and wreck to being self-aware and being able to, I would say, regulate about 70% of what I'm feeling, mm -hmm. which is pretty good. Mm -hmm. But I know I yeah. have a long way to go. A long way to go. Yeah, sure. We all do. And I, I love that you're open about that because, you know, um, I think as somebody who, who works with, with self-awareness, I'm expected to be self-aware all the time, as I'm sure you are. And the reality is, no, 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 I'm not. I'm failing every single day. Um, and, and I think it's important that we're vulnerable about that. And um, because it's, it is, as you've said, it's a practice and, um, and those stories are real and they affect us in so many ways. Like, are you open to an observation? Yeah. You've already self-depreciated. You already said, I know that I'm not at your level. How do you know that? Because I don't have a PhD yet. <laughs> yeah, but that's a story, right? That's a story that we tell ourselves. That's, that's, that's some of the self-limiting beliefs, I think, that, that prevent women like you, men like, you know, whatever, 
from achieving something that they're completely capable of because we self-appreciate because that's the, what we've been taught that we're supposed to do in this culture because then we're valued more. What? And these stories hit me all the time. And it's really, I, I didn't mean to pick on you there because it's really no. easy for me yeah, to see it in you. I did it yesterday. And the only reason I was so attuned to it is because one of my mentors called me on it. He was like, you need to watch that tone of self-depreciation. I was like, oh, I did do that. Yeah. It's impossible to be self-aware all the time. So giving yourself that grace and being vulnerable about it, I, I applaud you at that. And it helps too, I've noticed when I call things out. So for example, you know, I would come home from work and if I had a really bad day, then I would take that out on whoever was in the room at the time, right? And the things that I would tolerate before, I wasn't tolerating and it would set me sure. off. And, sure. but over time, becoming self-aware of, how I reacted, how I responded to that, I realized I'm not upset at that person. I'm taking it out on that person. I'm upset about something else. And so once I went off, sometimes I would go off first, but then I would say, I am so sorry. I should not have taken that out on you. I just had a really bad day. And what wouldn't have bothered me before is really bothering me. So I apologize about that, but would you mind helping me by doing this? And being able to self-correct right afterwards. And that's really hard for us because we're so ego egocentric as human beings. Right. 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 Yeah. So, so let me pause you first of all and say, can you hear that? No. Okay, good. There's a, somebody is going by with a vacuum in the hall oh. and it's really loud. So I just wanted to make sure that, that our mic was still good. Yeah. I don't hear you. Okay, good. Now I apologize because I lost the train of thought. No, you're there. fine. Um, so, egocentric. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and again, that's a story that, that helped us to survive um, because we don't want to be rejected. We don't want to be kicked out of the tribe. We don't want to be wrong. Exactly. And, and a, again, a valuable story for our ancestors. Getting, out of the kick, getting kicked out of the tribe literally meant death. Today, being wrong, being able to, to label your feelings, being able to be vulnerable, being able to say, I'm angry, but not at you. Hang on, let me process this. And taking a step back, that's, that's incredible. That, that ability is amazing that we have, and we, we can't take that for granted. We should be using that every day. So what do you say when it comes to other people, you know, being able to become self-aware in a world where we're bombarded with distractions. What do you tell people when you're coaching them? What are some suggestions you have for them to take a step back from that and be mindful and present and in the moment? Yeah. I mean, it's hard. I think I start with, with that. It's, it's difficult. Um, and I think we need to be aware of just how distracted we are first before we make any changes to it. Um, so one of the, the questions that I asked first is when was the last time you turned off your phone? I don't mean silenced it. I mean, turned it off, not because you're going to sleep during the day off because there's plenty of research showing just having a phone on a table, even if it's off, even if it's never touched means that our brains are trying to multitask. Our brains yeah. are trying to go here, there and everywhere. And if you're multitasking, it's really 
not multitasking is a myth. We can talk about that too. Right. We can't actually multitask. Right. But, but if our brains are trying to process all that information, well, we're not doing fair diligence there for, for ourselves. Um, so I think the first step is, is to become aware of all of the distractions that you do have in your life. Like list them, physically writing them down, I find is really useful because I can say, oh yeah, you know, I've got this vacuum that's going on right now. And that's, it's really pulling my attention and, <laughs> and that's bothering me. And my phone is sitting here and I just got it off a call and I want to make sure that I have those notes down. And so am I being fully present to you? Okay, let me take a moment, regroup, and say, yeah, I'm here now. But until we go through and really just sit, sit with ourselves for a moment, sit in, in this space where we are and say, what is pulling my attention? What fears do I have? I, um, I actually use alarm clocks with a lot of my clients. So I'll have them, you know, do, do you set an alarm clock in the morning to wake up? No, not anymore. I, I have okay. a pretty good internal alarm. schedule going. Yeah. Right. But you probably did at one point. It was miserable. Yeah. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> most, most people who, who have alarm clocks and they set their alarm for a particular time during the day, they start to wake up a few minutes before that alarm clock goes off, right? Because they've, they've programmed their brains to become conscious at a particular time. So I use that same concept while people are already awake. And I use these devices, which we're carrying with us all the time anyway. I don't, I don't want to come off as somebody who hates technology. I love technology, right? right? But we have to use it. So I have them set alarm clocks to go off five times throughout the day, regular intervals. When the alarm clock goes off, all I ask them to do is turn the alarm off, put that phone back away, take a deep breath and check in. What am I doing right now? Mm. What am I afraid of right now? Because fear is underlying so much yes so many of those stories that that keep us from being self-aware like really sit and say what am i what am i afraid of am i afraid that anita is going to reject that email that i'm saying is that why i'm being so angry about it am i afraid that i'm wrong about this thing is that why i'm being so defensive about it am i afraid like our Fears are driving so much of the behaviors that prevent us from, from being aware that, um, that I think it's a good exercise to, to have such a good pause yeah. throughout their day and check in. And, and then at the same time, why am I afraid? Why am right. I afraid of getting rejected? Right. Right. Yeah. What's that story? Yeah. So, so what, I mean, what's the answer that you would give there? Why, why are we afraid? Of being rejected? Uh, I mean, I think you hit it on, you know, tribalism and going back to that. Right. But I also think that it's cultural too. We're a society that's driven by competition instead of working together. Mm. We feel like, you know, I have to come up with the answer. It's my right. idea. Me, 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 right. me, me. And we don't see that working together is so much more beneficial. And mm -hmm. I think we need to open our minds and instead of seeing our tribe as our political views or our religious views or our ethnicity, we need to open mm -hmm. it up and say, we are all human beings. That should be our, our new tribe. 
in expanding that tribal view because there's billions of us out there. We shouldn't (laughs) fear not being accepted by a certain group. We are not our labels and biologically we're energy and matter, right? Like, right. And we have that with the universe, not just human beings. So you could continue to broaden that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And that's, you know, it's, it's our biology that, that pulls us back to that tribe constantly. Um, and I think being aware of that is actually really important because um, it is what drives, uh, underlies racism. It underlies uh, misogyny. It underlies so many of these, yeah. these poisons, these toxins in our society. And certainly culture then follows that biological drive. Culture is, is built structures and monuments to to keeping particular tribes this way or that way or particular genders or um and so addressing those stories at the biological level and saying okay this doesn't make me a bad person but i do carry these shortcuts because i am human exactly so how can i look at the shortcut become aware of that shortcut and say "Uh uh-uh not a story i need and to me that requires that interruption that disruption of our subconscious thinking of the, of all of the thoughts that we just, when we stay busy, we stay locked into. And that's another thing we have to be aware of. I think so many people, we don't understand ourselves, which is mind blowing (laughs) to me that we're expected to know history and math and science, but we're Mm. not expected to know ourselves and how we Mm. as human beings function and operate, which leads to all of these problems that we have. And we don't know how to handle it. So then they get out of control. And like what's going on now, um, you know, everybody's in this state of fear and anger. And those are appropriate emotions Mm -hmm. to feel right now. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know how to channel them in a productive way, they're just going to turn into static, right? right? We want people to hear us. We want people to listen to us. That's the whole point. We want our message to be heard. But if we don't know how to effectively communicate that and be aware of how we're presenting certain information, mm. then it can get lost. And that's what yeah. we don't want to do. Right. And I mean, and, and again, I, I think um, <laughs> I have to be careful here because I don't want to undermine or dance around some of the systemic issues. If we're talking about um, a race in this country, uh, there, is a, there is a self-awareness that I think we as white people need to own in that we are all racist, right? We have been vast, truly racist. And I mean that because we've been vast in a culture and a system where uh, racist policies have have literally built America. And so it's like the fish in water, you know, the old parable with, uh, with, you know, two fish swimming along and then another fish comes by and says, how's the water boys? And they're like, what's water? Right. If we can't identify and recognize that, yes, if we're not fighting against it, if we're not anti-racist, we are racist. That's that's that self-identity that I don't like labels either, but we have to own. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the same thing is true for 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 gender, for, um, for all kinds of ideologies. But that self-awareness can be really painful and labeling ourselves as that identifying, as you said, you know, putting a name to it is a painful moment because it's not how we identify ourselves. Like Mm -hmm. 
I would never walk up to you and say, hi, I'm Dr. Rebecca Heiss. I'm a racist. I have anger issues. And I, I apparently don't think women belong in leadership. That's appalling. I don't believe in any of those things. And yet, because of the way our culture is built, because of the way our shortcuts and our brains operate, if we're not willing to label ourselves and look directly at those painful truths, then we don't get to change them. We don't get to actually look at the story and go, I don't like that. Well, exactly. We, and, and that's a, yeah. like you were saying, it's not that you are explicitly racist, right? right. It's just that we, we like to say, I understand, but we don't understand. And by saying that we understand is not giving that person the respect that they deserve. And it's not being aware of ourselves. And like I tell people, you know, and I don't know what studies you did when you were in, in school, but there was, I don't know if you've seen the one where they have two people in the park with the bikes chained to the thing. They have a white guy and a black guy wearing the exact same clothes down to the color and brand. And they're both trying to steal the bike. This is just for the research, mm -hmm. right? And people just walk past the white guy and they're like, Hey man, what you doing? He was like, I'm just trying to get this bike off of here. And they're like, do you need help? You know, they just assume that it's his bike trying to get it off. But yet when the black guy, even, even black people, when they walk by, mm -hmm. they're like, what are you doing? He was like, I'm trying to get this bike. People start calling the cops. They're like, are you mm -hmm. stealing it? They start questioning him. Mm -hmm. We all like, whether we want to believe it or not, like you said, we have those underlying biases that have just right. been ingrained in us. Mm -hmm. It's the water we swim in. Yeah. Yeah. It's the water we swim in. Yeah, no, it's, there's, there's so many examples like that. And, and part of self-awareness, most of self-awareness, as far as I'm concerned, is your willingness to sit in that discomfort and say, God, I don't like that. And not feel guilty to like be compassionate for yourself. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's a really important point. And I'm glad you said that. Yeah. This, this is guilt actually turns it back onto Right. Because it starts to justify things. A, right. You don't want to start to justify a, why. Well, if they didn't do this, exactly then I wouldn't. That's, that's, that's justification. That's not a real answer. Right. right. It's, and, and, and shame isn't the, you know, shame isn't necessarily the label that you want either. This is a, this is an awakening. This is a, oh, okay. Now I see it. What do I want to do about it? Exactly. It's not, it's not a finger wagging. It's not a you. It's, it's a, huh, this is where I am. This is how I'm contributing. Passive, like, as long as we're on the topic of racism, let's, let's go there. Because as you said, you know, I'm not an active racist. I'm not going out and like supporting KKK or hate crimes or anything like right. that. Vehemently against that. But if I'm not actively, actively working to change the water that I am swimming in, what that means is passively, you're contributing. I am a racist. Yeah, I am. I'm contributing to that. And so waking up to some of these re realities is part of self-awareness. It's not just who I am. It's who I'm supporting by taking action or not. And, mm -hmm. and that is tough. That is really a tough reckoning um, for so many of us. Yeah. For so many of us. So, so thank you for being willing to have the conversation. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's so, hard right now. It's really hard. It is. It is. And honestly, I've learned so much in this past week 
And I have seen things that honestly flew under my radar and it's like, wow, you know, and I, I still don't fully get it. Right. We'll never, you and I will never be able to fully (laughs) understand. We're two white women. We're not threatening in this context. We're not threatening at all. So no, we can't. Yeah. But, But, but understanding and having empathy for like recognizing how you can identify with that's as women. Now you can say, okay, but as women, can you think of an instance where your voice was shuttered, where you weren't seen for all that you are because you had that label? Okay. It's not the same, right. but you can start to develop empathy there. You can start to say, wow, that's tough. Tell me about it. Let me yeah. listen. Let me try to better understand. And that's how we all become more aware of who we are and and how we fit into our society. I really liked what Teresa Quinlan said in my first interview. She said, Mm -hmm. you know, we're so focused on trying to tell people why they shouldn't feel a certain feeling instead of realizing I may not feel fear about what you feel fear with, right? But I know what the feeling of fear feels like. And that's the area of commonality. So if you know that they're fearing every day for, you know, I don't want to be out past a certain time driving down the road because I might get pulled over. And the fear that may come with that, I've been in a state of fear where I feared for my life. So I can, while it may not be as frequent as Mm -hmm. their fear, Mm-hmm. I know what it feels like. And so that way All you feelings are valid. empathize yep. and put yourself in that situation. What if I had that feeling all the time? Right. Right. Yeah, that's exactly it. All feelings are valid. And if you can, the more you can pull on your own experience, again, not to, not to compare, but right. to say, oh, I understand that. The more you can label it in yourself, the more you can create empathy and connection because we're, as we've said several times now, we're all human, right? We all have the same spectrum of feelings and emotion and, and experiences to pull from. So it's recognizing, oh, that, that level of fear across all of this, wow, I've experienced that level at that pinpoint, right? Or I've experienced that pain at this pinpoint. Not saying it's comparable, not saying I, I understand, right. but saying... I've had a feeling like that. Okay. And I think it should stay inside of us. Like we don't need to vocalize that. I think we're always wanting to tell people our experiences Mm -hmm. and that prevents us from listening and learning from them. So I think Mm -hmm. as long as we're internally saying, okay, I get that. We don't need to, to tell them that because that just kind of takes away from their message and hearing them. As, as you said before, it's our ego wanting to say, no, 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 let me tell you about me. Exactly. Yeah. I get that. I get that. Let me tell you why I get that. I I am 1000% guilty of doing that. I do that all the time. I think all of us have that urge to, I mean, I catch myself all the time, like, Oh, no, Brittany, don't do it. You know? And then sometimes I just can't help myself. It just, it comes out anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, and and that's where I need to regulate a little bit better positive intention that's saying, I understand. Let me, this is, this is, we have a connection. So, so the more that we can as self-aware people, as much as we can be 
assuming self-awareness of everybody else, assuming positive intent of everybody else. The more we can assume that of others, the more others will assume that of us. This is one of the conversations that I have more frequently now than ever, which is um, please assume positive intent. I, if I'm opening my mouth and I'm speaking about race, what do I know about race? What, I've never walked a day as a black person, as a brown person, as a person of color at all. So if I'm opening my mouth and I'm speaking on these issues, please assume positive intent and then come after me. You know, come after me the same way that I would come after you as a friend and help me learn, you know, teach me, like right. keep, my, keep my ears and eyes open. And the more we as, as individuals of any, of any kind can listen, can, can take in the experience and try to relate internally, as yeah. you said. I love that. Or we can have our own eyes opened. I love that. Come at it with positive intent. Cause I feel like the majority of us do the complete opposite because we're so defensive Mm -hmm. because we're living Mm -hmm. in that state of survival mode all the time. Right. So we're always defensive. We've got defensive and guilty. Defensive and guilty. Tell me about this app. I'm excited to hear about this. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I I'm scared to say the date because, because I'm so scared. It's going to get pushed back end of this month. That's what I'll say. End of this month. Um, my app Iquity is coming out and Iquity. Yeah. Iquity. So it's I C U E like IQ, like queuing you in. Um, Iquity's role is to give fearless feedback. When I say fearless feedback, what I'm talking about is we all walk around not able to see ourselves as others see us, right? We have an idea of who we think we are and how we think we're presented to the world. But how often do you actually get honest feedback from somebody who's like, yeah, you're, you're definitely not funny. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> right? We do, it's really hard to get the feedback that would actually be really beneficial to us to be better communicators, be better partners, be more empathetic in, in our communication as leaders. Um, and so the, the app itself is like a 360 review. If you've ever done a 360 review. Mm-hmm. So it, um, let me just walk you through it. Yeah. You select yourself three traits at a time or three skill sets that you're interested in, interested in, um, and having assessed about yourself. So the first, the first ones I tested, I think were honesty, humor, and leadership skills for myself. And you're asked then to rate yourself on a sliding scale, one to 10 on each of those things. So, you know, I'm going through it. I will tell you right now, I put 10 out of 10 on humor because I think I'm hilarious. And I was sending it to my family. So I'm like, I'm definitely the funniest person in my family, no doubt. Okay, so this is where things get real. So then you send this, this survey, this poll out to your friends, family, colleagues, customers, whoever it is that that you want honest feedback from, and they fill out the exact same poll. So sliding scale one to 10 rating you on those three traits. And it's dripped out over the course of 21 days. So you never know who's getting what, when, and the feedback comes back anonymously. So it'll say one user rated you here. Right. And so now it's not even, even if we're sitting and I, I trust you, I would tell you, I think I would tell you, completely honest. I think mm, I probably would butter it up a little bit. Yeah. I think we all would. Right. We all do that. Yeah. We all do. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. It is. So this, this skirts around the discomfort, which I honestly don't, don't like. I think we should all sit in discomfort, but since that's not human nature, 
what this does is it skirts around that and it says, no, you can provide completely honest feedback to somebody, be anonymous, and then that person gets the benefit of seeing themselves how others see them, truthfully. So I rated myself 10 out of 10 on humor, right? I got my twos. No. Twos. Yes. And that was my, I was like, no. And I got all the I would at least have given you a three. (laughs) See, I'd rate you 10 out of 10 on humor for that exact comment. No, it it, it was, it was valid. I mean, they, they, the ratings increase, but, but somebody truthfully doesn't think that I should leave with humor. And that's so important for me to recognize right? Because if I'm going up in front of my, my company or in front of my family or in front of whoever I'm pulling and I'm leading with something that I think I'm really good at, like, I am so funny. I'm just going to start this thing out. I'm going to roll out with some jokes. And my whole team is saying, Please don't not again, that. not again. <laughs> I, it, it invalidates everything that I'm going to say. Right. It, it moves me away from, from my power, my true strength. And so um, instead of an assessment where you're, you know, sort of self-assessing who you are, this allows you to get true feedback and see, oh, wow, this is a, this is a gap for me. I what I that. think I am is not how the world is, is perceiving me. So I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I'm excited about it. of course, you can it. retest traits. You can, you can challenge yourself to, to work. It's super important to me that as people are using Acuity, they recognize that, look, I'm not trying to make a world where everybody's 10 out of 10 on all the positive traits and zero out of 10 on all the negative. Like that's not the goal here. The goal is to help you recognize who you are. Yeah. Like if you want to be a great leader, you need to be self-aware. And, and I can name any number of great leaders that had really low ratings on positive traits. Steve jobs is my, my favorite example. He's probably a one on empathy. We can all agree. Empathy is a really important Mm -hmm. trait any leader to have. Why was he successful? Because he knew it, right? He was completely aware that he had no empathy. And in in that awareness, he was able to surround himself with a team that when empathy needed to be communicated, they could do it. Yeah. So that's the power, right? Of being self-aware. It's not, nobody's gonna be a 10 out of 10. I I will never be a 10 out of 10 on humor. I realize that now, right? It's not about boosting your score. It's about making sure that your score reflects how other people perceive you. Exactly. And if humor truly is really important to me, good. Now I can go and I can look at resources and I can take classes and I can learn and I might be able to move that scale a little bit, right? I might, but I might not. And that's okay too, because I guarantee you I have other strengths, Right. right? I guarantee you I can, I can develop and lead from different points. Um, so yeah, that's, that's acuity. Uh, so I would love to use that for coaching. Yes. I think think that's phenomenal because do you know how many times I have senior leaders come to me and they want me to work with their organization, but they're like, I don't know if our CEO is going to be on board. You know, he or she lacks this awareness. They think they're the best thing that's ever happened to this company. And everybody else is like, completely opposed to how they run things, how they behave. I think that would really be a wake up call for so many people. I love that. Yeah. I, so thank you when you that. said the end of the I, month, I want to be yeah. clear because I don't have the date on this recording. So right now it is, as we're recording, it's June 5th. 
So by the mm-hmm. end of June, 2020, this should be, you will have, that's ready. correct. Yeah. You will, you will have as an individual, you will be able to download IQity from Google play from the, from the Android store, awesome. from the, from the, um, Mac store. I forget. I should know these right offhand, but from the Apple store, I love it. Um, it will be available. I am. And, and you can get rated by people who don't have the app too. So there's a way that you can send out a, an email or a text to somebody, even if they don't have the app, they can rate you without having to download the app. Awesome. So feel free to send it to as many people as you want, because the more people do this and are truly brave about it, because I'll, I'll tell you when I created this app, I was like, I just created a product that a nobody believes they need because we all think we're self-aware, right? Yeah. B once they realize they need it, they really don't want it. Right? Nobody wants to see that. That's, that's painful. Uh, this this is the, yes, that, they're just upset at me for something else. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so I realized it's like, Ooh, this is going to be a tough, tough sell. But those that truly seek it, those that are brave enough, that are fearless yeah. enough to actually pursue that truth, Exactly. That's such power. That's such power. That is awesome. I'm I'm really pumped and I'm excited to use it. And I definitely want to put it on my website as a resource. Thank you. Because I appreciate that. That is awesome. And then you have a book coming out too. Yeah. Yeah. So the book is, the book is well on its way. Um, it is sitting on my editor's desk right now, or I shouldn't say it's sitting on my publisher's desk right now. Um, due out in May of 2021. So we're going to have so to do another conversation about that next year. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny too, because, you know, um, I wrote it all and I turned it in. I think I submitted it in like the very end of February. <laughs> so think about that timing, right? right? I submitted it at the end of February and then coronavirus you know, everything that's going on right yeah. now in, 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 in honestly an awakening in understanding race in America, like all of these things are coming to the forefront and I'm like, I'm going to have to rewrite this whole book <laughs> Like by the time yeah. it comes out. I hope I honestly, and I truly hope this, I hope by the time it comes out, I have to go back and I have to rewrite it because so much change will have happened. Yeah. That's truly my hope. Yeah. But I think it's still going to be relevant. Right now, mine's in the hands of the editor for final edits. And I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I should get this back and incorporate some of this. <laughs> Once yeah. I got it back it's from important. the first revision, yeah. I incorporated a little bit about the coronavirus, but not much, just mm-hmm. mainly in the introduction. But then this happened and I'm like, oh my gosh, like all of this is what I'm, so, but I did change the subtitle because I did how emotional intelligence can prevent an emotional pandemic. And I'm like, no, we're in the state of an emotional pandemic. So it's more like how emotional intelligence can cure (laughs) the emotional. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I think change that because we're we're in it. We are in an emotional pandemic right now. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. We're still in it for sure. This is, uh, this has been great. I have really enjoyed this conversation. Again, I could talk to you for hours on end about this stuff. <laughs> thank you. Likewise. So, likewise. Yeah. But, uh, ready to call. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Is there any last words that you would like to throw out um, before we go? Yeah, no, I mean, just, just stay brave, stay safe, stay listening, stay active, um, and, and stay fearless. That's, I think the biggest thing that we can do to honor one another right now is to listen 
to listen to ourselves, to check with ourselves if the stories that we're telling are truly the stories we want to be telling, the stories that we mean to be telling, um, and to fearlessly explore other alternatives. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's the summary of, of hopefully Perfect. what we're all doing right now. And, and I greatly appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and, uh, you yes, know, promote Iquity and, and we'll definitely do another, uh, another round when Instinct, the title of my book, by the way, which I failed to mention, when Instinct is coming out uh, next, next year. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.